looking, throwing in the end zone. Montana, touchdown, John Taylor. Young to the air, young to Jerry Rice. Touchdown, San Francisco. Young stumbles on the way back and fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Hello and welcome to the 49ers Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Al Moriello, and this is your source for the most objective 49ers discussion and analysis, plus timely and entertaining sports and pop culture topics. And today we're going to be giving a recap of the 49ers thrilling 24-21 victory over the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round. We'll be talking stats from the game, pro football focus ratings on offense and defense, how the Niners started out, the defense really putting the clamps on Green Bay when it needed to, what happened at the end of the half from Kyle Shanahan's perspective, Debo Samuel's injury and what that might mean for the team moving forward, Ambry Thomas being a liability, the Packers not being able to make plays when needed and got lucky when they did make plays, Purdy struggling but overcoming it, and uh, Jordan Love choking out and just concluding again with what's with the Brock hate guys it's an underdog story that people just don't like and we'll give some takeaways from this game normally there is a plus section there will not be any today next podcast early next week we will have plus content but it's all Niners today so let's talk Niners oh man I mean if I wasn't dying my hair already and I have been for I don't even know, the past four years, I would have had to start. I mean, Christ, I may have to start dyeing my chest hair, arm hair, leg hair after that. That game aged me, much like it probably aged some of you out there, not looking good for a lot of the second half. Purdy not looking great. Defense not being able to stop Aaron Jones, even though the Packers got away from that. But Brock Purdy struggling in the rain with the wet ball, getting lucky with some throws that could have been turnovers. Some miscommunications with receivers and tight ends stepped up on the last drive. And when the Packers got the ball back, Jordan Love choked out instead. The stats were pretty even. Total yards, time of possession, first downs, except for turnovers. Two for the Packers, courtesy of Dre Greenlaw interceptions. None for the 49ers. How did the quarterbacks do? Purdy was 23 of 39, 59%. For 252 yards, he took one sack, had one interception, uh, one touchdown, excuse me. Jordan Love for the Packers, 194 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Rushing, McCaffrey, 17 for 98 and two scores. As a team, the Niners ran 24 times for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones for the Packers, 18 for 108. As a team, 28 rushes for 136 yards. Receiving. Niners, Kittle, 4 for 81 and a touchdown. Juwan Jennings, 5 for 61. Brandon Ayuk, 3 for 32. McCaffrey, 7 for 30. Leaders for the Packers, Romeo Dobbs, 4 for 83. Jaron Reed, 4 for 35. Niners defense, no sacks. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Two interceptions, both by Dre Greenlaw, who obviously has no idea what to do running with the football. Pro football focus ratings. Let's go through this before we get into the game. Top top five rated on offense. Debo only on nine snaps, 85.7. Trent Williams, 83.5. Right guard, John Feliciano in for Spencer Buford, 79.9. Receiver, Juwan Jennings, 77.1. George Kittle, 67.5. Top 
uh, three lowest rated tight end Charlie Werner, 55 and a half. Ray Ray McLeod, receiver, 54.3. And Kyle Juszczyk, fullback, 36.8. Top five on defense. Yes, Jerry Greenlaw, number one, 89.9. Backup D tackle, Javon Kinlaw, 82.6. Fred Warner, 79.3. Cornerback, Damador Lenore, 76.5. And Chase Young, 69.2. Three lowest rated. Tayshawn Gibson, 53.7. At safety, backup linebacker, Oren Brooks, 44.9. And guess who was last? Cornerback liability, Ambry Thomas, 32. Now, before we actually get into the game, there was one cool thing I saw on social media. And they're probably per day is only one cool thing I saw on social media because social media is just a bunch of idiots posting nonsense, self-important, you know, bad opinions, bad takes, etc. And a lot of pissing, you know, back and forth. But someone took a video of pregame warmups, the linebacker unit. So Jalen Graham, who was inactive, D. Winters, who was active, Demetrius Flanagan fouls, Oren Burks. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and in street clothes, Aziz Alshire, who this season played with the Tennessee Titans, but was with the 49ers the past three seasons, I believe, came to the game, was on the field with the linebackers, and he remembered the chant, how they warmed themselves up. It was cool to see. Now, it doesn't mean Aziz Alshire is coming back. I think he he only signed a one-year deal with the Titans. The Niners will not be able to afford him. If anything, they might have to shed uh, a linebacker contract or, or not re-sign Fowles and not re-sign Oren Burks. And they drafted two linebackers, Jalen Graham and D. Winters. So that's probably going to be your four, and maybe they draft a fifth. So Aziz Alshire is not coming back. But the, the culture that's been established, the relationship that he has with these guys at linebacker. He could have very, maybe he has a home in the Bay Area since he lived there, since he played for the Niners for for three or four years. The fact that he was there on the field with them, getting warmed up, it just, it's a testament to what Shanahan and Lynch have built. Position groups, how close this team is, it was just something really cool to see that I wanted to share with everybody. But now let's get into the game. Like the Ravens game on Christmas night, it started with throws, and I don't know why. Rainy, you figure you want to establish yourself on the ground against a run defense, which is top five or bottom five in the league. Instead, on their first drive, which consisted of five plays, four were passes. One was a pass that Brock Purdy threw right to safety Darnell Savage, who had the pick six against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys last week, and it was dropped. So Purdy was lucky there, right? But horseshoes and hand grenades, you know, not going to matter. Didn't happen. Niners dropped some interceptions as well, and they had two that they didn't drop, courtesy of Dre Greenlaw. Another game where Shanahan does not come out either committing to the run or just running the ball. I don't say committing to it running the ball, or starting out with running the ball. He feels like he wants to, not that he wants to prove something with Purdy, but I guess he wants to loosen up the defense, but the Packers are a top 12 pass defense, a bottom five run defense. Where do you think you should start? And maybe, you know, everybody knew that going in, and the Packers knew they had to take away Christian McCaffrey, but still, it's easier for Purdy working, you know, second and eight, second and seven, second and six. is better than second and ten. Third and 10, 
I don't understand this script, and I would love to see it flipped next Sunday in the NFC Championship game against either the Lions or the Bucks. Defense was big. D- uh, Green Bay won the toss. They wanted the ball, and as you heard the announcer say, if Kyle won the toss, he would have deferred. So no matter what, the Packers were starting with the ball. And the first drive looked good. They did whatever they wanted to against the 49ers defense, but they get in, Packers get into the red zone. The Niners hold them to a field goal, 3-0 Green Bay. And the next two drives for the Packers, red zone again, Jordan Love gets stopped on a fourth down sneak. And guys, there was no offsides. I'm I'm seeing Packer fans on Twitter or X or whatever nonsense it's called. There was no offsides. It was a good spot. Even if the and and some talking head morons in the media were saying, oh, I can't believe Mike LaFour didn't challenge that spot on fourth down. Moron. It's a change of possession. It gets reviewed automatically by New York or the ref on the field. Coaches can't challenge. If you get stopped on fourth down and it's that close, it is automatically challenged. And it's looked at and it was not, uh, it was upheld. Niners took possession. Next drive, Packers drive again. 7-3 San Francisco at this point in the red zone, hold them to a field goal again, or maybe just outside the red zone, hold them to a field goal. It is 7-6 San Francisco. Say what... And we're going to say a lot about the defense when we get into the secondary <laughs> later on in the podcast. Bend, but don't break. It was a bend, but don't break defense. And the Packers offense is what broke. But they couldn't stop the run. Aaron Jones had, 50, I believe, 50 yards at halftime. I think 10 carries for 50 yards or maybe 11 for, for a little over 50 They were mixing run and pass really well. And whereas a fan, you would love to see, you know, your defense, any team you're rooting for, ah, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt. How realistic is that? How many shutouts happen in the NFL? How many games happen in the NFL where you hold a team to 10 or less or three field goals for a whole game? It's rare. Or you have to play a complete garbage opponent. Green Bay, coming off of a great game against Dallas, I think the Niners were ready for them, and the Packers were ready for the Niners. They had a good game plan. LaFleur had a good game plan. They could not capitalize on three red zone trips, and the Niners did when they got down there. Well, the first touchdown was a 32-yarder to Kittle. Obviously, the last touchdown um, of the game, and then McCaffrey had had a... um, you know, a 30 plus yard run. The Niners weren't in the red zone all that much, but when they got there, they made it seven versus three or getting stuffed on fourth down. But the first drive by San Francisco, so after they got that punt out of the way, put together a 12 play, 86 yard drive that took up five minutes and 48 seconds. Here was the balance, right? Five runs, seven passes, with which ended with Brock Purdy rolling right, throwing a nice dime to Kittle, 32 yards out. But again, the first two plays of this drive were passes. And it's and I think the first one was maybe an eight-yard gain, then an incompletion, then Brock Purdy winds up picking it up on a sneak on third down. The 49ers' identity, I think, is changing. I think people think of them as a 
run first team, which now they're a, they're a pass first team. They are in a, they are the most efficient offense in the league. They are the most explosive offense in the league when it comes to big time run plays and big time pass pass plays. You've heard the announcers say that yesterday, and I've been saying it for the past two months, maybe not weekly, but on the podcast. But the identity feels like it's shifting away from run to set up pass to pass to set up the run. Spreading out the defense. I mean, a lot of runs also for McCaffrey come from shotgun, right? So at least you're giving a look that it could be pass, could be run. And even if you line up under center, there's uncertainty whether it's going to be, you know, a pass or a run. But But Shanahan, excuse me, has gotten to trust Purdy to the point that in a way, he wants Purdy to dictate the pace and tempo of the game, the rhythm of the offense. And maybe he feels like if Purdy can get into a rhythm passing, that everything can run off that and flow off that in a highly efficient manner. I can get behind that, but I could also get behind knowing that you have probably the offensive player in the year in Christian McCaffrey. He had week 18 off and part of week, 17 with the calf fresh only had 17 carries plus seven receptions. So he had 24 touches. This is your three game sprint. It's not a marathon anymore. Now it's a sprint. Now, if you want to give him 20 carries, do that. I still say give Eli Mitchell three to five, give Jordan Mason three to five. Maybe Shanahan was scared shitless because of the rain factor. Meanwhile, the only running back to fumble on the 49ers this year is McCaffrey, and he's done it twice. But you obviously still trust the presumptive offensive player of the year and a dangerous player with the ball in his hands than you do backups, especially after Debo went out. We're going to get to that, but let's first talk about the end of the half, the missed field goal drive, which was a good drive by Shanahan, 11 plays, 45 yards, Four minutes and four seconds. The mix of run pass was great. Four runs, five passes, one spike. You want to call that a pass? Not really. Guys, Kyle was not playing for the field goal. And I've heard this sports talk. I live in the Northeast. I've heard this on ESPN, NFL Network. I see it on social media. He was not content with the field goal. Two things can be true. That is one of them. The second thing that could be true is he was not going to give Green Bay any time left for them to get into scoring position. And he had plays dialed up, pass plays, that they were trying to push inside the 20, inside the 25, inside the 20, or the 15 that Green Bay took away. And Purdy either checked down or the last throw before the spike was a throwaway. If Shanahan was playing for the field goal, please think about this critically. He would have, the last three three plays, he would have ran the ball all three times. Or he would have knelt once or twice, whatever, to preserve field goal range, not risk a pick, not risk a fumble, a penalty, anything like that. He did not do that. The last three plays were passes, Leading up to the spike. Moody gets the field goal blocked. What are you going to do? Now that complete, people are are complaining, Packer fans, like, oh, Anders Carlson missed the field goal at the end. It could have made it a seven-point lead. Yes, I get it. Let's not forget 
the Niners missed a field goal too, that if both players made those field goals, it's still a four-point lead for the Packers with the Niners getting the ball back with about six minutes to go in the game. Debo's injury. This this could be be big, obviously in a bad way for the offense. Now he went out. Now here's here's what we I don't know that the severity of it right now. I'm recording this on Sunday. Hopefully by Monday or Tuesday. We, I mean we should know by Monday. There's no MRI diagnostic test in a stadium. The best they can do is an X-ray. Now he didn't come in. You could look at this two ways. He had so he had better range of motion last night after the injury than he did when he injured his shoulder against the Browns and missed three games. All right, so that's, per Debo, per reports, he was able to move his arm above his head, had better motion. Tried to come in and he couldn't, Kyle said. He tried, he wanted to come in, but he couldn't. So that's that's not even coaches and doctors' decisions. Debo couldn't, couldn't go, and he's a tough guy. The only diagnostic test or imaging test they have in stadiums is x-ray. So now there's the possibility that something is fractured, like a hairline fracture, like he had mid-season against uh, Cleveland. That is a possibility as well. The Niners don't gain anything by announcing that. If, in fact, it is a fracture, you're not going to announce it last night. You're not going to announce it today, the day after. It might be Monday or Tuesday, or they don't announce it at all and have... Tampa Bay or Detroit, guess if Debo Samuel is going to play or not. All right, so that's, I. if there's anything wrong with Debo's shoulder, I, they're just going to probably say, oh, the shoulder's injured. And if they make the Super Bowl, it probably won't come out until Super Bowl week what the issue is with the shoulder. But fingers crossed, hope he can play, hope it's minor. But Debo's a tough dude. If Debo's going to be down, if Debo's going to be taking his pads off and not putting him back on, it might be a little bit more significant than we're all hoping. He got hurt with 535 left in the first quarter. That changed the offense for Shanahan. And when a player goes out, a key player goes out on offense, Kyle has a hard time adjusting. And I could look at this both ways. You could look at it and say, well, yeah, Debo's a key part of the offense. It's not like Aaron Banks went out or... I don't want to minimize Kyle Juszczyk or or anybody. I mean, everybody's important. You know, you want to say Jake Brendel? He's important. They have no other pure center on the roster. You know, maybe if uh, Chris Conley goes out, number four receiver, that doesn't hurt them that much. So I could say, yeah, a key part of that offense goes out. The offense loses rhythm. You saw it. And yes, it was rain. It was Brock being off a bit. There was miscommunication, bad throws. It, it, you know, all around, there was no rhythm. Part of it to me stemmed from they weren't running it as much early on to maybe open up the pass. But the flip side of the whole, well, yeah, one key player is out. Of course it's going to mess up your offense. They got stars everywhere, right? You still have McCaffrey. You still have Ayuk. You still have Kittle. You still have Juszczyk, who's a, who's a matchup nightmare for linebackers if he splits out wide. Juwan Jennings had a big game. So part of me doesn't want to hear, you take someone away, why does it throw a wrench in the machine so much that the machine starts smoking and catches fire? If all we hear on TV is how star-studded the Niners' offense is, 
Yes, losing one can make a difference, but it shouldn't have the machine come to a grinding halt or feel like everything is so off kilter. Now, part of it is it might, I don't know if it's a Debo heavy or Debo centric attack, but Debo runs the, the sweeps. Debo runs tunnel screens, wide receiver screens. He'll line up in the backfield and take a handoff. The backfield handoff thing, all right, maybe you don't put another wide receiver there. But the, the, the thought process of Jawan Jennings getting a handoff, I mean, maybe that's Kyle saying, all right, let me see if another piece can give me 70% of what Debo gave. The answer is no. I think he probably thought, well, no one's going to think I'm handing it off to Jawan Jennings. He's my big slot. Let's not do that again, right? Let's not do that again. But this whole idea of positionless football, and I've heard, I've heard Shanahan say it a dozen times, maybe more. Is it really true when you only trust Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, and Ayuk? Positionless football is what the Packers are playing. Positionless football means you don't have a, a sole number one receiver or only one tight end that has all your tight ends receptions except for two on the season. Spreading the ball around. The Packers are playing positionless football because they are spreading it around amongst their receivers. They have two tight ends they go to. They have three running backs that they trust between, um, obviously, Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon was out. And then I forgot the name of the, um, was it Taylor? Patrick Taylor or somebody was the third running back. Do you see three running backs on the field for San Francisco getting touches? No. Do you see any other tight end but Kittle? No. You can't tell me again. All right, so... The Debo handoffs from Shotgun, they're gone. If he's not in, they're gone. I get it. Maybe you bring Elijah Mitchell in. Crazy thought. Jordan Mason, crazy thought. But from his receiver position, yeah, that's gone. But jet sweeps, wide receiver screens or tunnel screens, are you telling me that Ray Ray McLeod can't run a jet sweep or wide receiver screen. He's a goddamn punt and kick returner. That position or returning kicks is all about doing something in space when people are trying to tackle you. You get the ball in your hands and you run. And he's not kickoff or punt return. You're not running a route. You're waiting for the ball to come to you. When you're running a wide receiver screen, you're not running a route. You're waiting for the ball to come to you. And then you do something with it. Are you telling me Ray Ray McLeod can't give you 70 to 80% of what Debo can on those plays? I don't believe that for a second. That's horse shit. Okay, all right, Ray Ray McLeod's what? 20 pounds less than Debo and, and Debo's a threat to, to take it to the house or break, you know, he'll break tackles more than Ray Ray McLeod will. He's just a bigger, stronger guy. I get it. But there's something to be said for smaller, shiftier people that are maybe just as quick or, or twitchier more agile than Debo is running in, you want to call it space like that, but you have to pick up blocks from your other receivers, your tight ends, your linemen have to come out. Don't, do not, if Debo's out in the NFC Championship game, Kyle, do not throw those plays away from the offense. McLeod can run them. And instead of trying McLeod on a Debo-like play, you put Jawan fucking Jennings, and I love the guy. You put him as a running back and hand it off to him? Don't get cute. Don't get cute. 
If Debo's out for the NFC Championship game, the offense should run a little bit better because Kyle will have the week to drop a game plan that does not include Debo Samuel, right? Doing it not even mid-game, a little more than midway through the first quarter does, I'm sure, affect the cadence of the play calling or the flow of the play calling. Felt like it was a little bit better in the second half, mid-third quarter, but the first half was a little bit disjointed even though they were up 7-6 and the Niners were up 14-13 in the third quarter. Don't take away your Debo plays, Kyle. I Ray Ray McLeod worries me catching the ball. I think all of us are scarred with the whole Kyle Williams thing from 10 years ago and, and fumbling. And McLeod has put it on the ground before as a punt returner, but he he doesn't have Debo's body type. And maybe no one in the league runs the sweep or the handoffs or the tunnel and bubble screens as well as Debo. But it's not like, come on. Ray Ray McC- if Ray Ray McLeod with the ball in his hands looked like Dre Greenlaw during those two picks, then I would say, yep, Kyle, no to Ray Ray McLeod. But we know that's not the case. Don't limit your playbook just because someone's out. That's why I don't believe he is actually playing positionless football, and I feel like the Packers can own that more than the 49ers. All right, let me calm down because now I'm going to get worked up again. Ambry Thomas, two pass interferences, one on third and 15. One, I think it was the first or second quarter where he grabbed Romeo Dobbs on, again, a third down um, corner route, but the Niners still were able to hold the Packers to a field goal. The Niners get a gifted second down and 21 when the pitch back to Aaron Jones was fumbled. He wound up losing 11 yards on first down. They picked up six yards on a pass to, I think, one of the tight ends on second down, leaving you with a third and 15. And he gets beat, does not look back for the ball, tackles, was it Bo Melton or somebody, and gives him a first down, 40-something yard gain. If you've listened to the podcast you know I'm not a fan of Ambry Thomas. His claim to fame was two years ago when the Niners were battling last week of the season at the Rams to get into the playoffs, a win-and-in scenario. They're in overtime with the Rams. Stafford throws deep to Odell Beckham Jr. Ambry Thomas intercepts it only because Matthew Stafford underthrew it by about five yards. If he leads Odell, Rams win. Niners don't make the playoffs. Now, he hasn't played, and I think, well, he was definitely out for week 18. I'm not sure if he was in or out for week 17 when he hurt his hand. Um, first game back from hand surgery. All right. How much conditioning he's done, yeah, working with the, the first team offense, I don't know. I'm not there. All I know is I'm just not a fan. Once the first pass interfere, like every time like, he was lined up one-on-one, I would be sitting looking at my son watching the game going, There's Ambry Thomas one-on-one. That's where the ball's going. Oh, Christ, Ambry Thomas by himself. Ambry Thomas playing too soft. Look, there's precedent for benching a corner. There's precedent for benching anybody. There's precedent for benching a corner in the divisional round of the playoffs. In the 2019 divisional round at home in Santa Clara against the Vikings, Kyle, or or was it Robert Sala, whatever, pulled Akello Witherspoon when he gave up a touchdown to Stephon Diggs when he was on the Vikings. I think that was like in the first quarter. Gave up a touchdown. After two PIs and soft coverage, maybe you might think his confidence is a little bit shaken. Steve Wilkes likes him. 
uh, defensive backs coach Daniel Bullocks likes him. That's great. I don't. And I don't get a vote. However, Ambry Thomas is the weak link on the defense. He's the, well, yeah, maybe the defense as a whole, but certainly the secondary. Certainly the secondary. Now, Samuel Womack was inactive. So your other options were Isaiah Oliver and Daryl Luter Jr., who is um, a rookie. But you're telling me you couldn't move Diamador Lenore outside and bring in Isaiah Oliver to play the slot? At least he's a good tackler. You know, if they were going to commit to Aaron Jones in the second half. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone would have trusted Daryl Luter outside in a playoff game. He is a rookie. But this upcoming game, maybe you activate, maybe you activate all six cornerbacks. Uh, to give yourself options if Ambry Thomas is getting abused. Because if the Lions win, you know, if Amon Ra St. Brown is matched up on him, St. Brown's going to eat him alive. Either one of the corner of the receivers on Tampa Bay, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin's going to eat him alive. So whether he's maybe cornerback number four, and again, Lenore's outside, Oliver's inside, maybe Lenore plays outside and, and Sam Womack is inside, or verse, vice versa, put Womack outside and Lenore inside. Isaiah Oliver's not an outside corner. I I would activate all six corners to have options. and Or maybe you just deactivate Daryl Luter because they're not going to trust a rookie. You just know the way this coaching staff works. And not like Shanahan has say over who's going to go in and out on defense. It's more an offensive thing. They don't play rookies, guys, unless they have to. So don't activate a rookie if you don't plan on playing them. Now... Overall, right, 30,000-foot view. Green Bay couldn't make the plays when they needed to, and they got lucky when they did make plays. Couldn't get more than two field goals on their first three drives and got stopped on fourth down. Now, the 49er defense had something to say about that, obviously, but those are golden opportunities to get points. Golden, and they did, and they only got six. Could have gotten nine if they took a, if they took a field goal on that fourth down. There could have been, you know, they could have gotten 14 or 21. Niners held in the six. That's huge. The getting lucky, Ambry Thomas, two pass interferences. Niners did not get hurt by the first one because it still resulted in a Packers field goal. The second one resulted in a touchdown. That should have been a punt. Green Bay should not have gotten seven points on that drive. And oh, by the way, right after the pass interference, they ran a nice play. Fake the bubble screen to the right, and Jordan Love threw a touchdown to was it Melton or I, whoever the Ambry Thomas, whoever he passed interfered the play before. That was the Packer receiver that caught the touchdown on the next play, and that only happened because Tayshawn Gibson slipped, and Jordan Love still almost threw it out of the back of the end zone. Nice catch and toe drag by the Packer receiver. But the other big play that the Packers had, at least passing was a, uh, a pass to the right-hand sideline, Romeo Dobbs, Charverius Ward slips. And listen, that goes, goes with the territory of playing on a wet field. I know the Niners, defenders changed their cleats. No one on the Packers seemed to be slipping, at least that was overtly obvious to us watching the game, right? But the Packers couldn't make plays when they needed to, and they got gifted plays that did not show absolute physical superiority or anything like that. It was either a mental bust by Ambry Thomas 
or physical slip by Gibson and Charverius Ward. Doesn't listen, if you're a Packer fan, you don't apologize for that. You take anything and everything you can get. But it wasn't like this big great scheme thing that screwed people up. It was footing. And it felt like the Packers got away from Aaron Jones in the second half. He had about 50-ish yards in the first half and went over 100 for the game. But remember, he had that huge run in the fourth quarter for 53 yards. And he ended up with 108 for the game. So so he was in the low 50s up until the mid-fourth quarter. Why are you getting away from Aaron Jones? The Niners weren't bottling up the run that well. You know, if you don't, I mean, his his average is going to look gaudy because of the 53 yards. So 18 for 108 was is uh you know, over 4 yards, almost 5 yard 5 yards a carry. I'm sorry, over like about 5 and a half, 6 yards a carry. And of course, you know, McCaffrey had a 30 plus yard run, that's going to help his average. Big plays happen. But how do you get away from the player and the the ground game that was working really all game for you? That's on the floor. And guys, let's just say it, man. Jordan Love's interceptions were terrible. They were terrible. The first one was a pass he threw well behind the tight end that got tipped and picked by Greenlaw. And the last drive is the most egregious thing you can do on a football field. Now in bad weather, now that it's pouring, throwing across your body to the middle of the field that got picked off by by Greenlaw. Let's just say it for what it is. Jordan Love choked. He could not rise to the moment. Purdy had his moment. Driving down the field, taking what the defense gave him. They mixed in the run. A big scramble that he had as well for nine yards. Got his team into the end zone. Then Jordan Love has had his, had his chance, as did LaFleur and Aaron Jones and Dobbs and Watson and Reed. Tucker Craft, the entire offense. Jordan Love choked away the game. And all we heard, all we heard the week leading up to this is Jordan Love's arrived. Jordan Love is a top 10 quarterback. He's better than Purdy. He's one of the top three or four quarterbacks remaining in the divisional round. Next great QB. Relax. Didn't play all that great against the Bears last week of the season. They got into a shootout with the Panthers, the worst team in the league. Got rolled by the Bucs at home. Lost to the Giants in New York. Yes, he had a good End of, uh, like, last seven, eight games of the regular season. That's great. Stats really no different than Brock Purdy. But what, but, ooh, he's making the off the, off his back leg throws and jumping when he's throwing like Aaron Rodgers and, oh, he threw to, look at how they dominated Dallas. Meanwhile, Dallas isn't covering anybody. Me and anyone listening probably could have made some of the throws that Jordan Love made when no one is covering your player. Jordan Love's going to be a good quarterback. Jordan Love's going to be a good quarterback. He is a good, he's a pretty good quarterback right now, and the Packers made the right decision. Got rid of Favre. Um, well, got rid of Favre, got rid of Rodgers, Love. But he's not the second coming. Ooh, he makes these sidearm throws and off-platform and this and that. So what? 
I used this analogy before, and if you guys, I'm not going to explain what it is. If you guys get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. There are people in the media who would rather have, let's say male people in the media, who would rather have a woman on their arm that's like a nine, nine and a half, or a 10, but doesn't put out at all. Kissing, that's it. Nothing below the waist. Doesn't take her clothes off. Beautiful arm candy to look at. So you, so you can trot around and saying, hey, look at me, look at her, whatever. Meanwhile, you're you know going home every night jerking off because you're not getting any. Because she's a beautiful prude. Instead of taking like physically the seven, seven and a half. That's a little promiscuous. That's waiting to rip your pants off. That'll give you a blumpkin on demand. And if you don't know what that is, feel free to look it up. I'm not going to explain it here. That's what these people in the media are. They're wowed by the arm. They're wowed by the splash plays. They're wowed by the running and the arm strength. It's sexy. I'm the first to admit it. There's nothing sexy about Brock's game. Processing, mental power, you know, that sort of stuff. It's not sexy. That's why I compared him to Tim Duncan in the NBA. His nickname was the Big Fundamental. Barely talked. Just performed. That, I mean, Purdy, not that Purdy doesn't talk, but, you know, he's someone of, of strong faith, humble, seventh round, whatever. Love had his shot. And he choked. Purdy struggled mightily initially. How about testicular fortitude, guys? How about digging deep, knowing when you're not having your day, and he didn't cost them. He didn't throw the picks like Love did. He had a couple that could have been picked, and Love had a couple more that could have been picked. Jordan Love is lucky he only threw two interceptions. Brock Purdy overcame. Raining. Wet ball. Started with a glove. Didn't like the glove. Took the glove off. Made some bad reads. Made some bad throws. Inaccuracies. Not on, this, not on the same page with his receivers. Some... Some reroutes and all, you know, people are going to look at some throws like, oh, and he overthrew Kittle or overthrew Ayuk. One of the throws to Kittle, an in-breaking route, you saw that the linebacker bumped Kittle off his route to the left. So when Brock made the throw, he put it where it needed to be, but Kittle couldn't get there because he got rerouted. Sometimes it's the receiver not getting out of their break as quick because it's raining. Maybe the ball is wet and it slips out of Purdy's hands. Everything was not going swimmingly. The pass down the left sideline to McLeod, where you saw Brock yelling at, you know, you, you, if, you, if you read lips, what are you doing? And then they were talking on the sideline. McLeod, McLeod's corner fell. He took it deep, but he took it outside, and Purdy thought he was going to take it more inside. That would have been a huge game. Not on the same page. Maybe if that's Debo or Ayuk or, or Kittle or a receiver that he has a little bit more, uh, more reps with, that's a completion. But on the final drive, and here's what people are waiting to see, right? And the people are still complaining. Can Shanahan win when he's down by five or more going into the fourth quarter? There's that stat where he's what? One in 37, one in 35, something crazy going into the fourth quarter down by five or more. Well, they answer that. People are answering, can Brock Purdy lead a team from behind? Yep. Can he play in cold weather? Didn't play great, but didn't play like Jordan Love. Check. Can the Niners as a team come from behind? Check. Can they play, can they rise to the occasion when they get punched in the mouth? Check. Didn't happen against Baltimore. Didn't happen in their other three losses that matter. The Rams lost in week 18. Doesn't matter. Check. 
This is a gut check game. And I think hopefully this woke the Niners up for whoever they get in the NFC Championship game. But the final drive, 12 plays, 69 yards, 5-11, and they needed a touchdown. This was not Purdy can just drive them down. They're down by two and let Moody kick a field goal. They needed to get in the end zone. And what did Purdy do? He went 6-7. of The one incompletion was that blatant drop that Kittle had on the left-hand side near midfield. Otherwise, he had big crossing throws to Ayuk, where he put it over only Ayuk can get it, and a big 15-yard out to Chris Conley on the right-hand side. They had a huge nine-yard scramble to get it to the Packers six, and then McCaffrey runs it in with a minute and seven left. And then what happens? Jordan Love chokes. But I still, there are still people complaining about Brock's performance. Niner fans or media people that just love to hate, have an agenda, want clicks, whatever it is. Now listen, I'm not all over social media, scouring social media today, seeing what Packer fans are saying. I have two kids. I have a life. I'm doing this podcast. I want to watch the football games on. I coach my younger son's travel basketball um, team, and we were out you know, traveling earlier today. So I have other stuff to do. But why isn't, say, national media crucifying Jordan Love for his two-pick performance? Don't you think if Brock Purdy played like the way Jordan Love did, holy shit, people would be showing up to your house, slapping you in the face and telling you that Brock Purdy sucks. That's how overt, we'll call it hate, and I I don't know what it is. And people, like I said, people are still upset with how he played, and they won. He had a great eight-game run last year, a really strong season. MVP candidate. Was Jordan Love ever an MVP candidate? No. There's a reason why. And people are still upset with with how Brock played. Got the win. Dug deep. Showed testicular fortitude. Brock Purdy, guys, is the ultimate underdog story. Right? Right? I mean, we're going to agree on that, right? But let's just check it off. Last pick of the draft, started out as QB3, was fighting for a roster spot with Nate Sudfeld. You got to remember that. It was Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sudfeld, and Brock Purdy. Purdy beats out an established vet, even though Sudfeld's no great shakes. Beat him out. He's QB3. Has to come in week 12 against the Dolphins and save the Niners' season. And did more than save it. Beat the Seahawks. Had a great three-touchdown game. Beat the Cowboys. Goes to Philadelphia. His elbow gets blown out. But what is he also? To a lot of people that like the nine, nine and a half, sexy, blonde, redhead, brunette. Maybe she's got a shaved head. Maybe you like that. I don't know. That doesn't put out. He's also not big enough. Doesn't have a strong enough arm. He's not fast enough. He's not flashy enough. He's not sexy enough. I hear, I see so much on social media, and it's kind of funny, that it looks like when he's rolling up to the stadium and walking through the tunnel in his clothes, people are saying he looks like he's going to pose for a Kohl's catalog. Oh, guess Brock got his 30% off coupon with his Kohl's outfit. I use 30%. I'm sitting here right now. My entire wardrobe is courtesy of Kohl's. My entire work wardrobe every day, because I work from home, hooded sweatshirt, T-shirt, wind pants, or shorts, 
Courtesy of Coles. I'm all about that, man. Good for you, Brock Purdy. Not looking to impress anybody. Just looking to win. Just looking to be there for his teammates and win. Rips up his elbow in Philadelphia. Has to have a procedure where a lot of people, and, and I were wondering, is he going to be okay? He had a weak arm as it is. It's going to affect his arm even more, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't think he would be right. I said this a lot of times, and I'm glad I was wrong. I thought he would start on the pup list. I did not think he would be ready for week one at Pittsburgh. He is, has what, a two or three touchdown game, has a very, has a great season, set the 49ers single season record in passing yards, and I think, I think QB rating and completion percentage. In 16 games, he did not play the 17th, so on par with Young, Montana, uh, Garoppolo, Kaepernick, whatever you think about him, Jimmy G., Best Niner quarterback season all time. It's not like he's the quarterback of the Bears where they haven't had anybody since Jim McMahon and Jim McMahon was shit. Starts week one, has an MVP caliber season. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud, who's, who had a very good rookie year, and Jordan Love are basically getting blown by the national media. Josh Allen, everybody's favorite darling, leads the league in interceptions. And oh, by the way, the Bills have only gotten better since Joe Brady became the offensive coordinator, and they've taken the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. They've asked him to throw less because he makes dumb decisions with the football and is a turnover machine. Oh, Josh Allen could run. Good for him that he could run. Good for him. And he's a big dude, like... You're just born that way. That's great. But the actual quarterbacking aspect of quarterbacking, you know, throwing the ball to someone. Yeah, you got a great arm. Lead the league in interceptions. But everybody loves him. Justin Herbert. What has he done in this league? You could blame, blame Brandon Staley all you want. He's not the offensive coordinator. And they have weapons. What has he done other than blow a, what, 24, 27-point lead against Jacksonville last uh, offseason? I'm sorry, last postseason? Dak Prescott's a choke artist, led the league in interceptions last year, threw two picks against the Packers last week, hasn't done shit. And Dak gets a lot of heat. Dak does get a lot of heat, and he can't perform against good teams. Justin Fields, oh, he's a revelation because he can run, and he had a good end of the season. Maybe they won't trade him. Matt Eberflus is still the head coach. Maybe they'll keep him. He's not that good. There's a difference between being an athlete and a quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. He's certainly not a pocket thrower like uh, a Burrow or a Herbert or a Purdy or whatever. And I, I just don't miss it, misunderstand if I'm putting Purdy in that class. But all I know is Purdy's going to his second straight NFC Championship game. You want to say? Do you want to say this year the defense is carrying him? When across the board the defense is worse than it is last year, they're like what tenth overall. 15th against the pass. They are like 5th or 6th against the run, and they're not letting up a lot of points. But this is not a ridiculously dominant defense like in years past. Not at all. And Lamar Jackson is going to win the MVP. Good for him. Now has his second playoff win. Congrats, Lamar. You're one playoff win behind Brock Purdy. And you've been in the league since, what, 2019? 2020? Whatever it is. And I'm not diminishing his greatness. 
But when I hear, and if you guys saw this on social media or saw a video clip, there was some woman who was a former executive of the Raiders. Former is important because obviously she did something that she, she might not have been good at her job or whatever and, and got fired. Said leading into the divisional round, bef- you know, before the game started on Saturday, that there were, so there's eight teams playing, right? Eight quarterbacks. That there were seven great quarterbacks and Brock Purdy. The only thing that's true, not so that, that statement's shit. There were seven quarterbacks selected in the first round, and then Brock Purdy, who was a seventh-round quarterback. Seven great quarterbacks in Brock Purdy. Honey, <laughs> sweetheart, you think Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback? You think Jared Goff's a great quarterback? You think Jordan Love's a great quarterback? C.J. Stroud, first year, has less reps and proven less than Brock Purdy? How are people not rooting harder for Brock? How are people not more impressed by what Brock is doing because of all the physical limitations? He is... Rudy, he is um, the character, the, the Eagles character from Invincible that Mark Wahlberg played, which I saw for the first time a couple days ago, and I only saw like the last half of it. How are you not, you don't have to root for the team. If you don't like the Niners, you don't want to like pick sides rooting for a team. How are you not rooting for the kid having to overcome a whole lot plus a significant fucking injury? It's just... Listen, if you're an Eagles fan or a Packer fan or a Cowboy fan, Seahawks, Rams, whatever, and and you're just anti-Niners and you want to root against everybody, I get it. But if you are uh, an actual non-biased or unbiased media member who has an axe to grind with Brock or is not impressed by him, why? What are you rooting for? Because we all know, we all know if Brock Purdy was a first-round pick... Even the bottom of the first round, you would be begging to lick the sweat out of his cup. Now, takeaways. Good job, defense. You got the stops when you needed to. In the red zone, two field goals, a turnover on downs, and two interceptions. Run defense needs to be tighter. Yes, one big chunk 53-yard run makes what Green Bay did on the ground uh, a little bit worse. It was 136 yards total. You take away that 53-yarder, it's 83 yards total. But you can't take away plays. You can't take away runs. Multiple Niners on that run took bad angles. The running game needs to get shored up. Brock made plays when he needed to. No matter if you, if you hate him, he made plays. And Jordan Love did not. Pass rush is inconsistent. I'm sorry, non-existent. Credit the Packers. Two games in a row, no sacks. Cowboys, great pass rush. No sacks. Niners, I'm not going to say great. Very good pass rush. No sacks. This D-line is living on its reputation from 2019 in the past couple years. They are not as good as they've been. You bring in Chase Young. I haven't been super impressed with him. Randy Gregory... You know, nice piece, 
Uh, Robert Beal were the four active DNs. Cleveland Farrell's on IR, and Dre Jackson's basically done for the year. That means they're either going to bring up Alex Barrett or Austin Bryant from the practice squad if they want to have a fifth defensive end. But they may have to start rushing, rushing a fifth. They did get pressure on Love on one of the first two drives that they had inside the red zone. They blitzed like six or seven. They sent the house, and he had to throw it away, and they, they uh, held him to a field goal, which was great. I think Kyle Shanahan's mandate to Steve Wilkes is we're not a blitzing team. We're a get there, you know, let's provide, get pressure with four team. But you guys ain't getting any pressure. And if they are playing the Lions, and I have no idea what the score of that game is right now, if they are playing the Lions, they are going to have to blitz because the Lions have a very good offensive line. How about we run the ball more? In total, how about it becomes a running game and Brock feeds off that with the passing game? More, you can give a couple more carries to McCaffrey. I'm cool with that now. Again, like I said, it's a sprint. Two games left. Championship game and Super Bowl. Hopefully they get there. Maybe Elijah Mitchell gets involved a little bit. Maybe Jordan Mason. I want to see that, that run number get 30 plus. 30 plus. Even if all 30 aren't that productive and you have a couple one-yard gains, nothing, two-yard gains, sets up play action. I'm still a believer, even if you're not running the ball well, it sets up play action because it still sucks up linebackers to stop the run. And Ambry Thomas is a liability. Haven't liked him for years. Probably a nice kid. I, if there's no other option and Wilkes is not going to go to Lenore outside, Oliver inside, or do something with Samuel Womack, then I'm hoping he proves me wrong. He makes my toes curl every time I identify him on the field and especially when it looks like he's one-on-one or playing way too soft in a position that, or on, in a down and distance where he shouldn't. And the main one is, man, you live to fight another day. Even when the game does not look good. It didn't look good from the first drive. Green Bay, Green Bay's first two drives looked like they were in command. They were doing what they wanted. First half performance does not mean your second half teams and units are going to perform the same way. So kudos to Wilkes, whatever adjustments he made to the players for digging deep and for Brock, especially for shaking off how those first three and a half quarters went. Now listen, he he still made some good throws throughout the course of the game, the touchdown to Kittle, obviously other passes, but that last drive, man, he's perfect outside of Kittle dropping that six yard pass. This team won grimy. A grinded-out game. They came from behind. Shanahan got that monkey off his back. Purdy checked some boxes. So did the defense, the offense as a whole, and we will be waiting with bated breath on the answer to Debo Samuel. Got another week, Niner fans. Another week, win or lose, that we get to watch this team. And that's what I told my son when they were losing. Like, listen, you enjoy it, you get upset by it, the next day you move on. All this win means now is... We have the privilege of watching them at least one more time next Sunday. And if we get lucky, we get to see one more on top of that in the Super Bowl. And we'll be breaking down the NFC Championship game and the games from Divisional Weekend on either Tuesday or Wednesday. So that concludes the Niners podcast for today. Like always, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to make us part of your listening routine. If you are watching or have watched the other two divisional games, Tampa and Detroit, Buffalo and the Chiefs, I hope you enjoyed. I hope they're going the way 
you want them to either as fans or if you have any betting interest, obviously hockey, basketball, college basketball going on as well. But the Niners survived to play another game. We are going to cover that upcoming game either Tuesday or Wednesday. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Take care, everyone.